If you were here last uh, Sunday morning, you know that we started a new series through Psalm 23. And this week, after I got the message ready and put the outline together, sent it into the office, the Lord just seemed to be speaking to me, not in an audible voice, but just in my heart, saying, Lord, Larry, um, you need to make an adjustment right now. In fact, with all the things that... uh, you and the congregation are going through right now and the adjustments that need to be made and so forth, I think you need to go another direction. And so um, I prayed, you know, sometimes when you have a sermon all worked out, you say, Lord, just don't talk to me now. Let me get this down. But he seemed to say, you know what you need to do is just get close to me. You just need to get close to Jesus. Sometimes we're out looking for this solution, and we're trying to deal with that, and trying to get new ideas. And bottom line, God says, just get close to me. How many of you know that the closer you get to to the Lord, the better life is? Have you discovered that yet? The closer you get to Jesus, it's amazing how things seem to fall into place. And so, today I'd like to just start kind of a new teaching series for a few weeks And just basically get close to Jesus. I I want us to look at uh, who he is, what he did, but what he still does today. What did he teach and how does that apply to us? And I think he's trying to teach us how we need to relate to one another, but also how we need to relate to him. And and I feel that God would challenge challenge us today. Both are curious. Maybe there's someone here today who doesn't really know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. On the other hand, there may be some of you who have been in the church for basically forever. And I think he wants to meet both of us, the curious and the committed, and help us to develop a relationship with him that's deeper than just our Savior, and even maybe closer to him than Lord, but... I think he wants to be our closest friend. And so we're going to talk about how we get that kind of a relationship. So today we're going to talk about how to rediscover Jesus Christ. Have you ever noticed how people, groups, and uh, different movements try to spin Jesus into their own image? I still remember, and I've been around a long time, but back in the 60s, People portray Jesus as the kind of prototypical, hippie, nonviolent revolutionary. And the way some people in the Jesus movement that day would talk about Jesus, it was as if he was wearing love beads all the time, giving flowers to little children, and everything that he said, he would kind of end with, cool, man. And uh, when he said, peace be with you, he always did it like this. And... Uh, That's the way it seemed back in those days, and then he's been presented as a CEO, as a a positive thinker, as a New Age guru, a Republican, a Democrat, a socialist, a rebel, and on and on it goes. It seems that everyone wants to get Jesus in their corner. Even Gorbachev, a former leader of the Soviet Union, told an Italian newspaper years ago, listen to what he said. Quote, Jesus was the first socialist, the first to seek a better life for mankind. He also said that he personally had spent his lifetime following the footsteps of Jesus Christ. Now, what is it about this man that even the leader of a communist nation basically says, I'm going to choose to identify 
with Jesus. You know, Jesus is, without question, the most compelling person who ever walked on the face of Mother Earth. More good has been done in his name than in anyone else's name, in accordance with his teachings. On the other side of the coin, sad to say, much bad has been done in his name as well, in defiance of his teaching. He's certainly the most recognizable name in all of history. But many who have heard of him, including many who have been raised in the church, actually know very little about him and actually don't have a tight relationship with him. And so this morning I want us to take a close look at Jesus Christ from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, if you'll turn there. And I want to look at verses 25 through 34, but here's a little backstory. Jesus was there by the Sea of Galilee. He was surrounded by a large crowd when a rich and influential religious leader came up to him and said, Sir, my daughter is dying. Please come to my home and and heal her. Jesus went with him that day, the crowd probably realizing that, oh man, here comes another one of those incredible miracles, followed along as well. They were pressing in on him from every side, and we read, starting in verse 25, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years, and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had, and she was still no better, but rather she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you? And you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done these things. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Mark's gospel goes on to tell how Jesus made his way to that rich man's house. He healed the daughter and raised her from the dead. And how many of you know that raising someone from the dead is going to draw a big crowd? It was an amazing thing. And that tells us something about the power of Jesus' ministry. But I think this parenthetical story about this woman with the issue of blood gives us more insight into who Jesus really was. And what his ministry is really all about. You see, the religious leader was a very important person in that day. And going to his house and healing his daughter was high-profile ministry. Everyone would see it, especially those who could be of influence in Jesus' ministry, the religious community. And you know, anyone who's ever been in ministry for any time at all understands the temptation that comes along of yielding to influence and power. Anyone who's ever been in ministry understands how when you have an opportunity to do something good for someone important, you can find the interruption of someone unimportant really irritating. Now, we have no idea what was going through Jesus' mind at that time. The Bible doesn't give us any hint. But we do know how he responded. And this tells us 
some amazing things about him. When this woman touched him, he stopped right there, dead in his tracks. He dealt with her one-on-one. He treated her with dignity and respect way above and beyond what society would have expected in that day. And in doing that, he revealed a number of things about himself that I want us to look and just pull out of this this morning. And the first thing that I want you to see is Jesus has an open door for anyone and everyone. Jesus has an open door policy, and it's open for anyone and everyone. You see, this woman was neither powerful nor influential. She had no money. In fact, the Bible tells us she had spent all of her money on physicians, and she still wasn't better. In fact, she was worse. And yet, when she touched Jesus, everything for him came to a standstill. He stopped. He turned to her. He ministered to her as if she were the only person in the world at that time. And spiritually speaking, that's exactly what she was. You see, this is how Jesus relates to people, all people. He's completely accessible. He has an open-door policy to every one of us. He was accessible then, and he's accessible to you today. He's the God of the universe. He's the Lord of all creation. And yet a simple peasant woman like this can have an audience with this creator God. I mean, it's amazing when you think about it. You see, we have unlimited access to the creator of the universe, friends. In fact, the book of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 4.16, let us. That's you and me. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? So that we can obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We can, can boldly approach the throne of God. Not because we're paying customers. Not because we're voting citizens and have a right to demand our rights at all. But because God and His mercy has made a choice to open the door of heaven to each and every one of us, to hear our prayers as big or small, as important as they may appear to be, and to listen to every one of our requests. Just as Jesus stopped right there, and what he was doing then to give this woman his time, to give attention to this woman, he'll stop for you, whatever you're going through right now, and give his undivided attention to you. But the second thing I want you to see here is that Jesus has open arms. He always has open arms. There's a, there's a reason why this woman was uh, afraid of being found out. You see, her bleeding problem not only thre- threatened her life and health, it made her ritually unclean in Jewish society. You see, anyone who had contact with her, even if you just shook hands or touched her, Or even if you sat down in a chair that she had been in previously, you were then considered unclean as well. In fact, you would have to go take a bath. You would have to clean your clothes, wash your clothes according to the law. She was just like a a leper, unclean, undesirable, unfit for any kind of social interaction. It took boldness for that lady that day to step out and go to where Jesus was and try to have contact with him. But she heard how this man could and would heal those who were hurting. The unclean, people like lepers, demoniacs. She had hoped that he would heal her as well. She believed that Jesus was a powerful healer, but she also believed that 
He might even heal her. Even if she never even talked to him. Even if she never was able to shake hands. Even if he never anointed her with oil. She thought, if I can just touch the hem of his robe, I'll be healed. In fact, that was a common thought in that day. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 3, verse 10, tells us this. For he healed many, so that as many as had afflictions, now catch this, pressed about him. Why? To just touch him. You see, people believed that they could just touch his garments, they would be healed. This was her strategy. She thought, if I can just slip through the crowd, if I can get as close to Jesus as possible, and then while no one is looking, I'll just reach out and touch the hem of his robe. Wow, the crowd is so big, and they're pressing in on him so much, he'll never know what I've done. And then I can get away, and I can be healed. So she worked her way through that multitude that day. She got as close as she could, and then she reached out and touched. And just like that, it says in verse 29, immediately the blood stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Now here's something important that I want you to understand about Jesus. This woman was ritually unclean. According to the law, her act of touching Jesus would make him unclean as well. But that is not what happened. When she touched Jesus, her impurity didn't defile him. You see, his purity cleansed her. This woman's uncleanness affected her personal life. If she was married, it made a disaster of her marriage. It affected her spiritual life. It affected her relationship, her finances, her ability to come and go and just operate in the community. No one who wanted to be clean, according to the customs of the law, could even touch her or get close to her. She was an absolute outcast in society, totally unclean to everyone, but never too unclean for Jesus. And the moment she touched his robe, she was made clean by the power of God. I want you to know, and we're going to put a little slide up here because I want you to know this, you're never too far out of reach to touch Jesus. You're never too unclean or too far away to touch Jesus. In other words, friends, you're never too dirty. You're never too bad. You're never too impure, no matter what you've done, no matter what spiritual condition you may be in, no matter what you've been through, He wants to cleanse you through and through. You see, it doesn't matter what others may think about you. It doesn't matter who rejects you, your so-called friends, maybe even family, or all of society. Jesus receives you right where you are with open arms. We see this again and again and again throughout the Gospels. The lepers, the demonized, the sinful, they all find mercy in the open arms of Jesus Christ. And the bottom line is, I don't care who you are today, you will always find mercy in the open arms of Jesus. You know, if this is a normal group of people, and I figure you are fairly normal, some of you are struggling with something in your life. Some may call it sin. I don't care what you call it. It's missing the mark. And maybe you've been a believer for 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years, and you think, man, I've just done this so much, and it's got such a grip on me. 
I've failed so many times in the past and I just can't get a handle on it. I've broken so many promises. I'm unclean. If I can't get it right by now, I'll never be able to get it right. And you're just totally frustrated and you feel, man, I might as well just give up. Well, maybe you are unclean today, but you're never too unclean to reach out and touch Jesus. In fact, His goodness is greater than your badness. His goodness is greater than your badness. In fact, I want you to personalize that with me and say it with me. His goodness is greater than my badness. Say that with me. His goodness is greater than my badness. Let's say that again. His goodness is greater than my badness. You see, when you reach out and touch Him, no matter how many times you've failed in the past, His goodness has the power to make you clean. The last thing I want to mention about Jesus is come to Him with an open heart. Come to Him with an open heart. I think it's interesting that the Bible says that she was healed immediately. And yet... That's not the end of the story. And a lot of times we we want to wrap it up there. Happy ending. She was healed. Everything's good. But you see, Jesus sensed that power had gone out from him. And he stopped to find out who touched him. He asked the disciples, Jesus, you've got to be kidding. I mean, look at all the people around you and they're pushing on all sides. People are touching you. How in the world can you say, who touched me? But Jesus was persistent about it. Look at verse 32. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And finally the woman came forward and she fell down before him. And she was trembling. But she told him her whole story. Why did Jesus do this? Why did he insist on doing this? I mean, hasn't she been through enough? Hasn't she been hurt and humiliated by society so much? Wasn't she living in a life of shame? Why would he single her out? In front of everyone like this. Well, the answer has to do with the third thing I want you to see today. I want you to realize that he has opened his door for every one of you. And he receives you with open arms today. Because he wants you to open your heart to him. You see, it's a a two-way street. With Jesus, it's all about personal encounter. It's all about relationship. It's all about intimacy. Following Him means being in a relationship with Him. That's why Jesus sought out this woman. It wasn't enough just to heal her. He wanted to completely restore her. When she had told Him the story, listen to what He said. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. This wasn't just a a simple word of dismissal. It's a, a word of complete restoration. I want you to hear that. Total restoration of her life. He calls her daughter. And by that he's saying, daughter of Israel. You're a daughter of Israel. In other words, he was saying, you are a child of God. You are one of his chosen people. He was saying, you know, even though the world has rejected you, God has accepted you. And he also reminds her that it was her faith that brought this miracle into her life. Your faith, he says, has made you well. Now, it wasn't because of some magical robe that he was wearing that day. It was because of her faith in his power. 
I want you to hear that whole sentence. It was her faith, but there was an object of that faith. The faith was in his power. And this is significant because it means that next week, next month, next year, when Jesus is no longer walking in the streets of her town, she's no longer close to him in proximity, she still has a connection to his power in her life by her faith. She doesn't need to be able to touch that robe physically from then on out. She can reach out and touch him by putting her faith into action. You see, Mark makes it clear that she was completely healed before she spoke to Jesus. When Jesus began looking for her, she continued to hide. You know, she could have slipped through the crowd, she could have gone home, and she would have been healed that day. But she would have only received half of what God wanted for her. Did you catch that? She could have gone away and been totally healed that day, but she would have only received half of what God wanted for her. And I want you to catch this. The healing is secondary to the personal encounter. The healing is just preparatory to what God really wanted to do in her life. You see, that's the real focus of the ministry of Jesus. He wants your heart to be totally open to Him so that you can know Him in a personal and in an intimate way. This applies to salvation. When you come to Jesus, you receive Him as Savior and your sins are forgiven. But it doesn't stop there. It applies to your life of discipleship after that. That's what being a disciple, a follower of Jesus is all about. The Christian life is about having one personal encounter with Christ after another. So often we think, well, when did I become a Christian? Well, I became a Christian back and whenever. And that was it. Personal encounter. It's done. No. The Christian life is one personal encounter with Christ after another. You see, the healing, no matter how long it lasts, is relatively short term. But that personal relationship with Christ is eternal. Do you catch the difference? You may be healed, but it's a short-term thing, relatively speaking. But your personal relationship with Jesus lasts forever. You see, some of you sitting here today have been touched by God in one way or another at some time in your life. You've experienced maybe a miracle or some kind of intervention of His power in this way or that. It doesn't matter what it is. You prayed and He helped you through this situation. You prayed and He got you through that situation. But when He sought you, you went out through the crowd. You went home. And by doing that, you only received a portion of what He wants to give you. Yes, God wants to answer your prayers. Yes, He wants to do great things in every one of your life. And yes, He wants to reveal His power in your life. But that's just half of what He wants to do. What He cares about most is personal encounter. What He cares about most is that one-on-one relationship, deep, abiding, genuine, intimate with Him forever. You see, God may do a great healing in your life, but that is just a prelude to the relationship He wants to have with you in your life. He wants you to open your heart day after day, every day, to a personal encounter with Him. So today, I want to just encourage everyone here, whether you're here and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you to discover the real Jesus. Maybe you've been a Christian for years. I want to encourage you to rediscover 
who Jesus really is. You see, every day, every moment of the day, in every situation, seek Him out. Look for the personal encounter with Christ. And always remember that here His door is always open to you. It doesn't matter where you are, you have an open door with Jesus Christ. Remember, His arms are always wide open, ready to accept you no matter who you are, what you've done, and what you've been through. And then open your heart to His presence in your life. In fact, friends, the choice is yours. You see, you can be as close to Jesus as you want to be. Sometimes we think, well, this caused a problem in my life, or I got hurt here, and it happens everywhere. Let me ask you a personal question. How many of you have ever been hurt by someone in church? I don't mean physically, but emotionally, relationally. Any of you? And if you didn't raise your hand, you haven't been in church very long. We all get banged around. I could tell you story after story of things that have happened to me in my life. But you know, one thing I learned, he never leaves me. He will never forsake me. He is always there. He's always got my back. And he always has your back. But you know, if if you have turned your back on him and you've gone the other way, you remove yourself from him. He's always there. And so what I'm saying today is just make sure that you get close to Jesus. And that's my call to this church. As we're going through trying to figure out what direction are we going? What kind of a church do we want to be? What do we want God to do? I'll tell you, He will make it absolutely clear the closer you get to Him. That's what it's all about. I want you to just bow your heads. We're going to do a couple things and have some time of ministry and so forth. We're going to share in communion, maybe a little different than we've done in the past. But I want you to bow your heads right now because maybe someone came into this service today who really hasn't made a commitment to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And I want to give you that opportunity right now, right where you are. I'm not going to embarrass anyone. You don't even need to raise your hand or stand up. But if you've come into this service today and you're not sure about your relationship with the Lord, just right now, Just ask Him for forgiveness. Just say, Lord, I've messed up. I've done some things I know I shouldn't have done. And and I want to ask for forgiveness. In your own words, just say that to Him. And now, Lord, I I want you to come into my life. And when you come into my life, as you promised in your word, not only give me eternal life, but give me direction and meaning and power to live my life right now the way you want me to live and the way I really want to live. And, you know, he said, I'll do that. He who has the Son has life. And it's that simple. And then I would challenge you, get involved in one of the Bible studies. Get together with other Christians. On the other hand, you may be a a long-term believer, but somehow you snuck through the crowd. You got away, and you don't have that intimate relationship with Jesus that you once had or that you desire. And I want to encourage you today, right where you are, just say, Lord, I, 
I went through the door. I got away. But today I'm coming back. And, and I want to have as close a relationship with you as I possibly can. You say that in your words to him, and he'll make sure it happens in your life. Lord, I, I just pray that you will just do your work in our lives individually and collectively as the body of Christ. Amen.